Hello everyone, it's Bill Thompson, T-Bill, and welcome to Plain Market Talk, where I will provide a straightforward interpretation and analysis of current market news based on my background as a retired Wall Street stockbroker with almost 50 years of experience. And I will also provide business lessons to help you become much more successful with your personal finance, trading, and investments. So let's get started. Hey everyone, it's Bill Thompson, T-Bill. Welcome to Plain Market Talk. Today is Friday, November 17th, 2023. Okay, we have, uh, markets are flat right now, but actually um, up for the week. This will be the third straight week they'll be up if the numbers hold where they are. Right now, the Dow Jones Industrial Average is up uh, 0.03%. Uh, S&P 500 uh, up 0.1%. NASDAQ Composite down 0.08%. It's 12.25 in the afternoon Eastern time. Oh yeah, one thing I wanted to mention, uh, next week, uh, the markets are closed for Thanksgiving, as you might guess. Uh, they are open for, I believe, half a day usually on the day after Thanksgiving. Uh, I think that still holds up. That is traditionally the slowest trading day of the year. Uh, even most brokers take off. You know, the reason the markets are even open is that Thanksgiving is a U.S. only holiday. So the idea is not to have the markets closed for four straight days, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, but uh, half day next week on Friday, slowest trading day of the year. Anyway, back to the markets, though. Uh, yeah, markets have been doing pretty well. Uh, let's see, what do we got here? Um, Okay, so if the markets hold up where they are, uh, looks like the uh, Dow Jones Industrial Average will be up 1.8% for the week, uh, S&P 500 uh, up 1.9%, and the NASDAQ Composite also up 1.9%. Now, they've been doing really well this month. You know, I've talked about this in the past. Uh, historically, the months of November, December, January are the three best months of the year for the stock market, sometimes called a Santa Claus rally. Of course, that doesn't hold up every year, but... So far, so good. Uh, for the month of November, um, as, as of yesterday's close, we have the uh, Dow Jones Industrial Average up 5.7% for the month, S&P 500 up 7.5%, uh, NASDAQ Composite up 9.7%. So we do have that. Uh, one company I wanted to mention today is Gap. Uh, they're doing really well. Uh, they were um, really strong earnings and raise their earnings outlook going forward, uh, or sales and earnings outlook. So that stock is at now $17.78 a share, $4.11, that is up 30.07%. But one thing I want to caution you on Gap, it's an extremely volatile stock. So if you go to Yahoo uh, and then click Finance and bring it up, its stock symbol is actually GPS, uh, George Paul Sam. I'll explain why it's not Gap in a second. And just click on the chart and you know, click on up top, uh, maybe five years, and you, you'll see how volatile it is. It's just a stock that's just all over the place. But stocks like that do also create opportunities. Yeah, you would wonder, like, why is their trading symbol not Gap? Uh, well, uh, the reason is that there used to be a supermarket chain in the southeast called A and uh, Northeast, sorry, called A and P. And uh, was actually the full name of the company, if I remember, was Great Atlantic and Pacific. And that was their old trading symbol, GAP. So anyway, but Gap, keep an eye on that one. Okay, so we've got a few things to talk about today. Um, yeah, I've got, uh, I've got a small private company to keep an eye on, but it may go public in the next year or so. That's why I wanted to mention it. It's an electronic bike company, e-bike company. 
uh, called Cowboy. It's it's a actually a Belgian company, but uh, I, I got a feeling this one might go public sometime in 2024. Keep an eye on it. So what we mean by e-bikes is your know, bicycles, bicycles with those electric motors on them. Uh, what's happened? There was a huge demand for those during the COVID shutdown. You know, people wanted to get out. Uh, and the thing about the e-bikes, I don't know if you know how they work, you can actually pedal them. My brother has one. You, you pedal them all you want, like a regular bike. And if you get tired, you pick, click the button and the electric motor starts pedaling for you, basically, or moving it for you. So uh, anyway, what happened, though, during the COVID shutdown, uh, the companies could not keep up with the demand. They couldn't get the parts. And now they have the parts. There's oversupply of these things. And uh, but people seem to not have the interest they once did. You know, I do see them here in Florida, particularly at the small beach towns. People use them quite a bit. But anyway, so this company, um, Cowboy, uh, just Cowboy, C-O-W-B-O-Y, I guess their two main competitors have declared bankruptcy and they're claiming they're going to be profitable uh, during 2024. So uh, something to keep an eye on. So a small company called Cowboy Uh, got some news on Target also. Uh, I guess what's been happening at Target, they're, they're having the compact theft. They're locking up a lot of like everyday items like shampoo and stuff behind glass cabinets. And you have to get an employee to open the cabinet for you. Now, uh, their CEO is making the claim that the customers are giving a big thank you for locking up the merchandise. I don't know if that's true. Uh, my understanding of people are just annoyed by it, uh, having to wait for a salesperson to open up the cabinet. I mean, we understand, they understand that for like really high ticket electronic items, but for everyday stuff. Uh, but they're saying that they're thanking uh, the store because now things are in stock when they once weren't. So anyway, we'll have to see what happens there. I did see an article the other day though that uh, Walmart uh, and other big retailers are rethinking this self-checkout. They're saying the reason they're rethinking it is their customers want more personalized uh, interaction. But another possible reason that they're not saying is theft. I have a relative that works at Walmart, and he said what's happening on the self-checkout lines. You know, people know not to try to not check uh, a big-ticket item. You know, the, the people kind of watching up front are going to spot that. But he says what they're doing not everybody, just some people. If you got like 10 tacos, they sell these big tacos for a dollar a piece. People are scanning like seven of them and, and tossing the other three in the bag, figuring nobody's going to notice and they don't. So we'll see. But he said it adds up. It adds up. So anyway, we got that news there with Target locking their uh, items up. Okay, one other thing I wanted to mention and talk a little more about mutual funds today. Uh yeah, over in the entertainment news, this, this one was kind of interesting. Um, yeah, you know, artificial intelligence, you know, it's a big, uh, becoming a big factor in a lot of industry, particularly entertainment. That was a big part of the actor strike. They didn't want their images being used, uh, artificially created. They're not being compensated by it. Well, we're seeing it in the music industry, too. We're seeing artificial intelligence software creating music. Now, I've listened to some of this stuff. Uh, When it comes to electronic dance music, some of it's pretty good. It's hard to distinguish that this wasn't done by a producer DJ. But when it comes to pop music, rock music, country songs, it's obvious this is being done by artificial intelligence, uh, at least to me it is, and and others. But you know what? It's not going to get worse. It's going to get better at creating music. All right, so here's, here's the story I have seen. There's a company called Stable Audio. 
And I guess uh, one of their top people has just resigned in protest. He said, overly exploitive practices used in training AI music generators. All right, so here's, here's what he says happening. Companies like this uh, and others, they're using copyrighted songs, like big hit songs, you know, whatever, and they're using that to program their artificial intelligence uh, music generators. Now, they're claiming, the companies are saying this is not a violation of copyright law. They are saying that um, this is under the fair use provision of U.S. copyright law. Uh, that's going to probably have to go to the courts. Um what fair use is allowing uh, fair use of creative content. You can use it for you know criticism, like you're uh, writing an article, you know, uh, reviewing something. Uh, it can be used in news reporting, a teaching at uh, not-for-profit schools. You can use it. Academic research, um, sometimes parodies. Also, it can be used, but uh, that that one's a little bit more though in a gray area with the parodies. But anyway. They're claiming they can use this stuff under fair use, copyrighted material. I think that's something the courts are going to have to decide. So, but that's apparently a big issue. So, I'm sure some of the artists, if they find out their stuff is being used uh, for software uh, to create software that will then create new music, which may compete against them, I'm sure there'll be issues there. So, anyway, we got that also. Okay, so I'm going to continue on talking about mutual funds. Um, yeah, last time I was talking about large cap funds, uh, big big stock uh, company funds. Okay, so you know I've talked about you know advantages of those. Those companies tend to be more stable, even in economic uh, downturns. They tend to still make money. Uh, they fall into basically two categories. Uh, these big companies are either pure growth or sometimes they're set up for more income. Also, so the way that works. When a company makes a profit, net profit, there's only two things you can do with net profit. You know, taxes have been paid, everything's been paid. Regardless whether it's a lemonade stand or a multi-billion dollar company, you can either pay out the profits to the owner, uh, and what a corporation is called a dividend, or you can reinvest in the company for future growth. That's called retained earnings. So companies do, sometimes a lot of them do both. All right. So basically, growth um, large cap mutual funds invest in companies that tend to re um, reinvest most of their earnings. So the idea being, eventually the stock price will go up. So that's what they do. Uh, however, uh, large cap um, funds that are set up for income, they invest more in companies that pay a large percentage of their profits out uh, as dividends, utility companies are known for that. All right, so anyway, but we'll talk more about that another day, but here's how this works. Okay, so if you own a large cap mutual fund, you may still get payments uh, regardless of how it's set up. Uh, what mutual funds do, they're required to pay out their uh, dividends to the shareholders. They accumulate the dividends from all the stocks they hold, and they pay it out to the shareholders. Now, some of them do it different ways. Some of the income funds pay out every month, but even the growth funds that have any dividends that came in, they may pay it once a year. But they also pay capital gain distribution. So the way that works, if you own, a, we'll say stock in this case, if you own a stock and you sell it for a profit, that is a capital gain. Now, if it's a stock you've held for more than a year, a year or longer, that's a long-term capital gain. If it's a stock you've held less than a year, short-term. Uh, by the way, one year exactly is, the, is considered long-term. So in the world of finance and investments, you know, one day up to 364 days is considered short-term, 
365 days uh, or longer is long-term. All right, so long-term capital gain rates are much lower than short-term. Uh, here in the United States, I believe the maximum tax rate is still 38%. For long-term capital gains, the maximum tax rate is 20%. All right, so anyway, so here's the thing. Even if you're buying and holding one of these mutual funds, you may still have a taxable situation. As this thing pays out uh, capital gains, it'll let you know which ones are short-term, which are long-term, as well as any dividends. Now, that, that stuff is all taxable. If it's in a retirement account where taxes are deferred, you don't have to worry about it. But what happens, uh, most investors just have their mutual funds set up for automatic reinvestment. And so what happens is the money's just reinvested uh, and what it does, it adds to your cost basis since this is taxable income. Very quick example, if you have $1,000 in a mutual fund that you're holding, it pays out total capital gains, uh, dividend, income, whatever, $50, say, for the year. You report that on your income tax. Let's just in a, a tax-deferred account, like I mentioned, retirement account. Uh, and then you reinvest the money. Well, now your cost basis, say you invested $1,000 in the mutual fund, now your cost basis is $1,050. So if you later sell it for $1,200, you report $150 in tax. So anyway, that's kind of how that works. Again, I'll try to explain that more another day. But a couple of things I wanted to mention as general concepts before we wrap it up today. What are mutual fund companies versus brokerage firms? Okay, so brokerage firms are where you buy and sell the investments. These are firms, you probably have heard the names, Merrill Lynch, Morgan Stanley, Charles Schwab, so forth. What mutual fund companies are, these are separate. These are companies set up to, uh, they basically run mutual funds. Uh, some of the bigger names over there, you, you may have heard of some of these, Oppenheimer, T. Rowe Price, Franklin Templeton, uh, Fidelity, uh, as well as many others. Now, you can buy mutual funds directly from a mutual fund company, but what most people do is they buy them through a brokerage account, like they have an account at Morgan Stanley or Charles Schwab or something, and what they do is uh, they then buy the mutual funds. They, if they want to own an Oppenheimer mutual fund, they'll buy it through the brokerage firm. Um, one reason they do that is that simplicity, keeping everything in one area. Also, um, it, it, let's say you own a Fidelity mutual fund, uh, or I'll say um, a Vanguard. Vanguard's actually one of the biggest of all mutual fund companies. You own a Vanguard mutual fund, and you want to sell it and buy an Oppenheimer mutual fund. Well, if your money's at Vanguard, you, you got to contact Vanguard, sell it, and then wait to them to send you the money, and then contact, open an account at Oppenheimer, and then uh, invest the money there. Whereas if you had it at a brokerage firm, you can actually do everything simultaneously. Sell the Vanguard fund, and, and on the order, say whatever proceeds there are, just buy this Oppenheimer fund with it. So a lot easier that way. Again, I'll talk about that another day, but uh, that's generally how it works. Uh, another One other thing I wanted to mention, uh, mutual fund screeners. Now, we're going to talk a lot about mutual fund screeners. Uh, there's 7,500 mutual funds out there in the United States, but you know if you want to just kind of screen through them based on different criteria, if any of you want to take a quick look at what a screener looks like, the Yahoo one's really good. Just use a search engine like Google, whatever you use, and type in Yahoo Mutual Fund screen, a Screener, sorry, not Screamer, Screener. And uh, it'll bring it up. You can take a look at it. Uh, one other thing I'm going to be talking about relatively soon are index mutual funds. Uh, th that is actually probably one of the best ways to invest 
or what are called index mutual funds. But, but I will get to those um, and then talk more about these actively managed funds. I'll talk about index funds probably first. Uh, I have covered them uh, you know, a couple of years back, but I will cover them again. Anyway, all right, so I think that's what I wanted to cover today. I hope everyone has a good Thanksgiving next week, and I'll talk to you again soon. Take care. See you.